Welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman, a podcast loaded with practical tips, powerful scripts, personal stories, and simple steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. So get ready to get the information you need to make the impact you want from someone you trust, your friend, parenting expert, Dr. Robin Silverman. Hello and welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything, where we give you the tips, scripts, stories, and steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. I'm so honored to be your host, Dr. Robin Silverman, child and teen development specialist, author and speaker, and most importantly, parent of two great kids who give me the opportunity to love, learn, and grow every single day, whether I want to or not. Believe me, I get it. It's not always easy, but we're in this together, and we have some great people helping us along the way. Now, as parents and teachers and coaches, we have all heard that days are long and years are short. The days can be filled with mistakes and sibling rivalry, tantrums, boundary testing, bedtime battles, tough discussions. And even as they are interspersed with fun and excitement, pride, connection and love, as parents and teachers and educators, it's normal to feel frustrated at times and want tools to help make the days go a bit more smoothly. The truth is we do only have a relatively short period of time to raise kids to become responsible and capable and confident before they head out to the the door as adults. I mean, to put this in perspective, we had Dr. Laura Markham on the show and she did three episodes with us. And one of them, she actually said, we only have 900 weeks with our kids before they turn 18, so be fully present with them. And Vicki Hopeful reminds us sort of a similar sentiment, parent the child who will be 24 in a hot second. Parenting is not about what happens for you between the ages of zero and 18. Parenting is what happens for our children between the ages of 18 and 80. Let that sink in for a moment. So how do we parent our children knowing we don't have a whole lot of time to, in fact, parent them, teach them, but the time we spend is so important. Our next guest will tell us that it's about parenting with love and logic and getting children to behave from the inside out. Charles Fay, PhD, is a parent, internationally recognized author, consultant, and highly skilled public speaker. Millions of educators, mental health professionals, and parents worldwide have benefited from his practical and down-to-earth solutions to the most common and frustrating behaviors displayed by youth of all ages. These solutions come directly from years of research and clinical experience, serving severely disturbed youth and their families in psychiatric hospitals, public and private schools, and homes. Faye's interest in education and psychology were piqued as a child from years of exposure to some of our nation's most dynamic experts in these fields. This early exposure came as a result of participation in training events with his father, Jim Fay. Now, Jim is one of the nation's leading experts on child discipline and has over 50 years of experience in public education. The internationally recognized love and logic approach was literally developed around Charles Fay as he grew. And now he jokes, I think that's why I became a psychologist, just to figure out what they were doing to me as a kid. But let me be clear, I absolutely adore my mom and dad as a result. You can find out more about Charles Fay and all that he has done and all that he is doing at loveandlogic.com. Welcome, Charles Fay, to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Well, thank you so much. And as I was listening to that, I was just thinking about my dad and how much I still love being around him. In fact, he lives next door to me. Uh, he's perfectly capable of handling life on his own, but we decided that since we didn't have that much time left, you know, he's 85, mm-hmm. then it would make sense that we would maximize that by having him move in next door. And uh, to some, that sounds crazy, but when you have a good relationship with your kid, and that's really what we're talking about here, it makes all the sense in the world on every single level. And uh, my mom passed on, mm. but uh, she she follows me everywhere. Of though. course. Of See, course. because, and here's the, the deal, 
listeners, as we really think about the impact, the legacy we have for our kids, it's our value system. And when we develop a relationship with our kids that's based on love and good boundaries, they internalize that value system of ours when they get older. And uh, then we get to follow them around all the time, even if we're still not on the planet. It's a beautiful Mm. thing. I'm so excited to launch into this. But before we get into everything, for those people who haven't read your books or seen your approach or heard you speak, can you tell us what gets you up in the morning and what got you so interested in helping parents raise kids using love and logic and getting kids to behave from the inside out? Uh, well, you know, it used to be only that I thought, hey, this, this is a really good way of getting kids to behave. And uh, that's a good thing. And then as I got older and had my own kids and realized that they really do bring us to our knees, (laughs) I started realizing that there a lot of us are in pain. I mean, honestly, a lot of folks who are really bright, who know a lot about kids, are really struggling and wondering, oh man, am I cut out for this? Have Mm. I messed up the kid? You know, it's it's and so, you know, really now it's about, hey, how do we reach people? with a message of hope so they can see that they really can have these great relationships with their kids, regardless of how old the kid is. Mm. I think that's so important. And I really appreciate you doing the work that you do and really looking at the the day-to-day. I know in several of your books and your dad's books, you demonstrate through stories like I, I was really struck by one that I read. I don't remember which book of, of yours or dad's was that you did not go to the party of the year with your best friend, Randy, because he started drinking again and that you you were really you were behaving from the inside out and that kids who are raised with love and logic are doing this. They're behaving from the inside out. So can you explain a little bit more about what that means okay, and, and, I'll, I'll and how we you, can get kids to do that. Yeah, I'll tell you a little bit about Randy and uh, my end of the story because you probably heard my father's take on it. Yes. But I, uh, I met Randy at a party and I was five and it was his birthday party and all our parents took us up there and I got to meet Randy's mom. We lived out in the country. It was great. And Randy, the first thing we did is we rode our bikes down the hill really fast, mm-hmm. crashed into the fence and she came out of the house screaming at us and we had to go sit and time out, you know. And then the next thing we did is we got on the swing set and since it wasn't uh, tied down, we got it going so fast, it's moving all around the yard. And she came out of the house screaming at us and made us go into timeout. And she was a lovely lady. But her basic approach was get really mad when the kid makes a mistake. Mm-hmm. Scream and yell and then hold him accountable and then, and then lay a guilt trip afterwards. And how many of us were raised that mm-hmm. way? Where that's just kind of the default, even though we don't want it to be. It pops up. You know, on our we're we're parenting uh, our kid. Our parents are actually parenting our kids. In other words, well, as I got to know Randy, I started to realize that as he got older, he became more concerned about making people mad than how the consequences of his decision were going to affect his life. Mm. See, do we really want to condition our kids to develop a logic that goes like this? Man, when I make poor decisions, it makes people mad. Mm. Or do we want to condition our kids to believe that when I make poor decisions, it can it can dramatically diminish or or end my life. Mm. I mean, it can diminish the quality of my life. I mean, every choice matters and it affects me. And of course, it affects other people. And see, here I am growing up in this home. It's a little different. I made all the same mistakes, and my parents held me accountable, but there was that empathy. Mm. Oh, Charlie. Oh, I can't imagine how upsetting it must be to get a report card like this. Mm -hmm. The good news is, is that we're going to love you regardless of the number of years it takes you to get through school because we just love you. What are you going to do? You know, and there was this message of we're sad for you rather than mad at you. Mm. Listeners, sometimes it helps to have a little soundbite in your head to tie things together. 
This is something that helps me. Sad instead of mad. Mm. When our kids mess up, can we be sad for them instead of mad at them? Mm. Now, I understand. There are times when my I still have one. He's, he's, he's almost 13, and there are times where I get really mad at him. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'm so mad, I have to look at him and say, Cody James, and I only use his middle name when I'm really <laughs> mad. You know, that's the rule. Cody James, I am so mad right now, I can't think straight. We better talk about this later when I'm calm. Mm -hmm. Of course, he doesn't appreciate that. He wants me to solve the whole thing right then. Mm -hmm. But if we can use that empathy, then we start creating kids who are actually thinking, and, and this is the key point, how is this next decision gonna affect my life? And see, Randy got good at thinking this instead. How is this next decision going to look to other people? Wow. Mm. There's a big difference. And if you haven't heard the rest of the story, there was another party about 11 years later that that Randy uh, wanted me to go to. Of course, he's driving by then. And I'm thinking, this this kid, he he thinks anything's fine as long as he doesn't get caught. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. That's the logic. That's the scary logic. And so he's out there drinking and driving and doing drugs and smoking pot, which, by the way, is drug. And he is having sex with everybody, you know, that he can get his hands on. And it's just crazy. And I'm thinking to myself, if I hang out with him, bad things are going to happen for me. Mm. And I loved him. Mm -hmm. I loved hanging out with him. And he took a number of kids off the road that uh, night in a drunken stupor and and they didn't have to make decisions after that night. So we're talking life and death issues. If our kids are making decisions from the outside in like, oh gosh, am I gonna make somebody mad? Not a good plan. No. Yeah, it's very sad what happened with Randy and and, and, and the other kids that were in his car. And I I was really taken by that story because, you know, it's it's it feels like when you're when you're reading about that story, it's this one decision that you made that changed your life. But it's not this one decision. It's many years of decisions that you were making along the way with your parents support giving you when they were giving you the ability and the opportunity to make choices for yourself. And that's really one of the things that makes the love and logic uh, program so unique. You you talk about self-concept. You've written many books. In one of the books I read, you explain with love and logic, your children will learn how to live with the consequences of their actions, avoid avoid blaming others for their problems and make wise decisions. And this all, of course, sounds wonderful. Um, And I could see how it reflects in the story you told. You talk about making early deposits so that we can build self-concept, share in self-control, offer empathy and consequences, and share in problem solving. So I would like to dig into that a little bit. So where do we start with this whole idea of self-concept and self-control? Okay, so self-concept comes out of the kids seeing that they are capable. Mm. It, it's a, it's, again, it's another thing that has to come from the inside out. Self-concept is destroyed when we think it's an outside-in job. So parents mm. lather on a bunch of praise. They always make everything smooth. They mm. try to make sure the kid feels good all the time. Kids are smart enough to figure that out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's not right. But good self-concept comes from doing hard things well. Mm. Good self-concept comes from blowing it and then seeing that you can solve the problem. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it comes through those trials. I, I like to say good self-concept is forged in the furnace of affliction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well said. Okay. Now, we need to have uh, loving people around us that guide us. Oh, but man, you you broke grandma's vase Mm. all running around and and with your baseball uh, backpack on and you turned around and the bat hit the vase. Oh, that's going to be a horrible thing. But I wasn't even. That's the sad thing. What are you going to do? Just love you, but the vase is kind of a mess. How are you going to solve this problem? 
And uh, what would happen if that kid went off and maybe did extra yard work in the neighborhood mm -hmm. or, or sold something they owned or they mm -hmm. found some way to replace that vase? Now, how do they feel about mm -hmm. themselves? Right. They're, they're able to solve a problem, so they feel really good about their ability to be competent and yeah, to make an effect on something. I mean, how can you have a success if you don't have a failure first? Right. Good point. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's really kind of hard to, to really relish in those great times if you haven't walked through the valleys first. Mm. And so, so Love and Logic listeners, a really big piece of this is allowing kids to make lots and lots of little mistakes when the price tag is small. Yes. Right. And just backing off and allowing the kid to forget their homework assignment when yes. they're in the fifth grade. That, I, t I tell you, that is the hardest It thing. is so hard to look at that homework assignment on the countertop. Oh. You know those you know those really big binder clips that are made out of metal? Yes. You know, you put on big, you know, uh, chunks of paper, thick. Mm -hmm. I have to stick one of those over my mouth. Uh, it's painful because it is so hard yes. not to say, grab your homework. Mm -hmm. mm. And, you know, it, you feel like a bad parent. Mm. Yes. But do you really want to be having to remind your kid to bring their work to, to work? <laughs> yeah, I, years? I mean, you know, I, I don't think so. Right. And when that kid remembers the next day, that to remember their homework or they eventually put it together in a plan and, and a loving parent is willing to say hey it must have been real real awful for you to get to school without your homework and would you like to hear some ideas about how that might not happen again and if the kid says no i'm fine <laughs> you know, honor that yes. say great I, if any kid can figure this out, you can. And you back off and you honor it. So that's not where the sarcasm comes in, like, oh, well, you really remembered that today, because that's well, that the answer there. Well, you know, it, it is a battle. Yes. And sometimes I am internally sarcastic yes. as I'm desperately trying not to be externally <laughs> sarcastic. I really appreciate yeah. your truth telling here, because it, it, it's so it's many true. of us are in that situation. And let's let's just be real here there are times where i just totally blow it yeah is, me too is that okay for me to say yes oh believe me that we're all about do-overs here you know usually usually parents and, and and coaches professionals in my seminars come to me and they say i really really like this one part and i'll say well what was it my head's getting kind of big and they they say the, the part where you really messed up we like that <laughs> Thanks. Great. <laughs> so glad we benefited from that. But, but you know, it, it's such an emotion-filled job parenting. It's such a hard job. It's such a daily job yeah. that we're all going to make mistakes. And you know what? Here, here's the good news. Kids are more likely to bond with people that are imperfect. Yes. So are adults. I mean, you know, who do you pick as friends? As adults, do you pick the people that their lives are just so perfect and their vacations are way better than yours? <laughs> uh, or do you pick those people that, that you feel like, yeah, they're kind of like me, you know, they're pretty cool and they mess up and I like hanging around with them. Mm -hmm. Who do you pick? Right, of course. We always want to be with people who are who are going to mess up and, and be honest about it. I actually yeah. am part of a parenting group where that's, that's what we talk about, just messing up because right. being, being exposed constantly to perfect makes just you feel absolutely terrible. Yeah, it's nauseating. Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, yes, yes, yes. So I love this this feeling, uh, this self-concept. I'm, I'm capable. I'm able to do this. And one of the other main concepts of love and logic is to help your child develop self-control. And of course, that's a big part of behaving from the inside out. Sure. And, and not by giving your child a whole lot of don'ts to follow, like don't rules to follow. Rather, you're really focused on strategies. So can you help us to understand how we can get kids to develop self-control. And I know everybody's ears are perked up because that's oh, yeah. a big one. Yeah, Self-control, the biggest battle for humanity since the beginning of time. Yeah, just could you solve that problem for us? Would you mind? Thank you, Charles. 
sure. Yeah. Well, we can do some things that can up the odds that that our kids will develop self-control. And uh, they all fall along what I call the three E's of love and logic. So if uh, you're listening and if you are taking notes, you write down a big capital letter E. And that first E stands for, and I'm sorry, I'm going to say it, example. It's Mm -hmm. modeling. It's what we all struggle with the most. But uh, allowing our kids seeing us struggling with self-control and being being uh, successful. And there's a, a very powerful subcomponent of this, and that is called eavesdrop teaching or eavesdrop value mm-hmm. uh, sharing. And that is when we uh, cope out loud or we yes. talk about things within earshot of our kids. Yes so that they can kind of hear our struggles, but we're not talking directly to them because then they tune out, right? Right. So I get home from uh, work and I'm feeling kind of tired and I open the drawer and there they are. And I, man, these are, they're glowing. They're (laughs) radiant. They are Butterfinger candy (laughs) bars. I mean, these things are like anything in the whole world, okay? And, and, you know, I'm feeling tired and I'm feeling kind of entitled because, you know, I had a hard drive and those butterfingers are sparkling. And, 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 my, and, I, and, you know, I look at him and, and I have to, you know, turn to my wife and say, oh, man, it is so hard not to crack open one of the, I mean, three, four of those butterfingers right now. I mean, but, you know, I just know that if I do, you know, it's not going to go well for me, you know, it's, and, and then, you know, it's a silly example, but it can be just about anything where the kids can overhear you, you struggling with temptation and overcoming it. Yeah. Right. Yes. Absolutely. And and and, and uh, so then the the second E is experience, mm-hmm. and kids need to experience two things in order to develop self control. They need to experience limits from the outside. See, self control f- has to first start with a template that comes from us. See, so we provide uh, some limits and boundaries for our kids and. Love and Logic teaches that's mostly done by describing what we're going to do. Like, well, I allow kids to, uh, I allow kids to uh, drive the car when I know they've paid for at least half of the cost. Mm-hmm. That might be an example, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so they get those limits because kids can't learn how to say no to themselves if they've never seen us say no to them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay? So they do need to have those external limits. And what starts happening, uh, the second thing they need, okay, first thing limit, second thing they need is they need experience with testing those limits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they do that. Yeah. I mean, how in the world are kids going to learn that limits are real and how to internalize limits if they don't practice it, it, testing them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and sometimes we get so upset because our kids test limits. Y'all, I can't believe, you know, he did exactly what I told him not to do. Exactly. So you were here last night. I'm just kidding. Great. What a wonderful learning experience as long as we can stick with that limit. Right. Right. It's kind of like a while back, my son, I said, you know, I just am feeling like the tone of voice and everything is not good. And I'll be happy to do this with you, take you to this place. As long as I feel like we're both talking to each other nicely, you know, and I'll include myself in that. That lasted about 2.3 minutes Mm -hmm. before, you know, I hear that's why you're going the wrong way. (laughs) Well, that's limit testing. And so all we have to do, which is not easy sometimes, is to prove that the limit is real and you know, the car makes a u-turn we go back nothing needs to be said in fact it's best if you don't say anything you you, you set the limit and that you let the actions do the speaking mm-hmm. well why are we going this way now oh you're the kind of kid i'm sure you can figure this out mm-hmm. right and we went home mm-hmm. very right? hard and i'm but, sure he said but i will talk to you nicely now no, he just he just looked at me in a way that uh, I could actually feel the molecules in my face deteriorating. 
like like I can actually feel like the matter in my skull starting to boil away. Um, I don't know if anybody else has a preteen who can actually use microwave searing looks to destroy brain matter. Uh, uh, yes, we get uh, it. <laughs> but I have enough to do this interview, so that's. <laughs> well, we appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, and we just, you know, p- developing self-control really does require that we do some unpopular things sometimes. But the 30 of love and logic, and I want to make sure I get everything in that I promised, is the 30 is empathy. Yes. And that is where, yes. you know, we, we, we shut our mouths, we open our hearts, we try to put ourselves where the kid is. We don't say a whole lot. You know, on the way back as I was getting lasered, I, I, I think I said something like, and I love you, and I sure want to do this with you. And I just love you too much to to have this this kind of experience with you. And and I know it's hard. And yeah, of course that that didn't feel good in the short term. I think, but listen, do we want to be the bad guy, mm. or do we want the kid's bad attitude to be the bad guy? Mm. See, if, if I'm yelling and saying, well, if you don't, you look at that may, me that way. And if you look at that way, you're gonna, your face is going to get stuck and all that <laughs> stuff. You know, you say, you know, now I'm the bad guy. Uh, but if I can be loving and pat him on the back as we get out of the car, then at least one little spot in his brain has to come to the conclusion that, gosh, dad might not be so bad. Mm. Maybe it was my decision that was so bad. Oh, it's so well said. I, It is amazing to hear this in action and to really understand what it is that you're doing. Of course, we want to make sure that we're being empathetic and understanding where our kid is coming from. And, and that's having that mistake in action. And that's one of those behavioral ones. I'm curious because when we're coming from this perspective and we're talking about uh, something other than specific behavior that we see every day, let's say if we shift to money and we want our kid to learn how to be responsible because that's a big part of love and logic Given that many people are dishing out money and and buying their kids different things, often that means that they're not learning about saving and spending, but they're so busy. The kids are busy. They're doing soccer. They're doing gymnastics. They're doing so many things. And if they squander their money or they don't learn about borrowing money and, and paying it back when the stakes are low, as you were saying before, they're going to learn a hard lesson when the stakes get higher later so can you tell us what parenting with an eye on helping kids behave from the inside out says about teaching kids about responsibility with money well it teaches that 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 money is uh and stuff that you buy with money pales in comparison to the joy you get from uh being with people you love and doing simple things that uh, involve relationships. Mm-hmm. See, so much of what we see in our country with uh, uh, rampant materialism mm-hmm. is this, this, you know, I'm, I'm searching, oh, I got to fill up this bucket with something that makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of empty buckets, a lot of empty hearts, and when there's empty buckets or empty hearts, People will always find something to fill them, regardless of the consequences they have. You know, right. you just you, know, you see alcoholics who use that to fill the heart, and they can have massive consequences and still be obsessed with alcohol. We see people in the same uh, uh, frame use uh, possessions. So yes. what we really want to do first is make it very clear that that people and relationships and quiet time with people. Uh, simple times are more important than stuff. Mm. That, that's the real foundational value that has to come across in the family. And it can only be taught by parents really walking that talk mm-hmm. and doing with a, without a lot of things that maybe their, their own hearts are uh, chasing. It's uh, took me a long time to learn this, uh, Robin. Mm. You know, it's uh, 
But as I got older, I started realizing that, um, gosh, now I have, you know, a little more money to buy some of the things that I've wanted my whole life, mm -hmm. you know. And now if I buy those things, I'm communicating to my kids that, uh, you know, uh, that thing is going to be more important to them because, you know, if I get that thing, I'm also going to have to maintain it mm -hmm. and pay for it and spend all this time uh, focusing on that thing rather than on the kid. And mm. it's kind of a strange twist of fate there, but, um, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something pretty unpopular, and that is uh, – is the the way we show them how to manage money is uh, we live uh, we live uh, putting our emphasis on true wealth and that is relationships. So mm. uh, and now that also means that they you know from time to time when we feel real good about it we give them a gift. Mm -hmm. That's fun to do. There's nothing wrong with stuff. It's the love of stuff. <laughs> okay, mm. yeah, that's the problem. So once in a while, when it feels good, we give them something and we just say, it just it just makes my heart feel great to give you this, you know. Mm -hmm. We don't give them things when they demand them. Mm -hmm. We don't give them things when they argue with us and tell us that everybody else is getting them. <laughs> but everybody yeah. has a phone. Yeah. Everybody has this latest gadget. Everybody. Yeah. You're the yeah. only parent. You're yeah. literally the only that's, parent that's, that hasn't given it to me. That's, yeah. yes. Yeah. And, and so it's a real countercultural thing. You know, I remember when it used, you know, countercultural used to be that you lived in a Volkswagen bus and it had peace signs <laughs> on it, you know, and you had really long hair. Um, now countercultural <laughs> means that <laughs> you're not buying your kids everything under the sun. Um, but it, it really uh, is it, going to make a big difference in their lives if they can learn to, to value the quiet, simple times over the over the stuff. And, and then when they want something that's more expensive, then uh, certainly they can, they can earn it. You know, it's, it's, it's not a complicated process. It's just, uh, it's like my dad said to me when I was 16. He said, Charlie, you're about ready to drive and I want you to be able to have any car that you want. I said, really? He says, yeah, any car you want as long as you can pay for it. Right. You, know, you can get it. <laughs> And that was a little sarcastic, mm -hmm. but we had a kind of a humor-filled relationship. Mm -hmm. But yeah, they gotta they gotta earn the stuff. Yes, exactly. I remember reading in one of the books that either you or your dad did that it was like, um, oh, you, you the kids like I I really want whatever it is, some kind of gadget or gift, and and then you or your dad say, oh, I you, I. I think you should totally have that. Absolutely. You deserve mm -hmm. it. Buy it. Absolutely yeah, buy it for, for yourself. It. <laughs> so, now, now, there's another piece of this, and it's really, really important, and that is that you know, if you happen to be blessed with some wealth, get some good financial planning help and make sure that that is in, in, a, in, a, in a state uh, – uh, product where the kids do not have access to it immediately mm -hmm. uh, after your death unless they're at least 30 or 40. I mean, mm -hmm. there's a lot of different ways to mm -hmm. do this. Uh, get with a state planning professional. Make sure that if something happens to you and the kids are still young, they, they don't get that money right away. Mm -hmm. Or they only get a certain amount that is commensurate with what they're earning through their own hard work. Because mm -hmm. we've seen a lot lot of really uh, good but somewhat immature young adults uh, get ruined because they suddenly came into a whole bunch of money, wasted it all, and now they have to live with all that guilt. So these are the, the ability to handle money, the ability to handle deep, the deep resources of life, I'll put it that way, uh, is something that takes longer than young adulthood mm. to really understand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, a lot of us don't really understand the, the deepness and, and the importance of being really good stewards until we're in our 40s or, or 50s. I mean, mm -hmm. some of us are just slow learners, mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, I think King Solomon was, was quite aged before he started putting together the idea that money can't buy you everything that you want in life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, um, one of the things that I feel like was recurring in all of your books is uh, you certainly don't deny that kids are 
are very smart. Um, they have a lot of different ideas of how to get parents to do what they want them to do. Um, and that they're very persistent and they fight back. It's not easy being a parent. We discussed that at the top of this. Mm -hmm. It's not easy. And it's really hard to step back for a moment when you're frustrated. Um, I appreciate what you were saying about saying like, hey, I'm angry. I need some time. But when you're in the moment, it's really hard to do it. And when you have really smart children, and you know, we all have these very bright children who haven't read these books, and yet, and so they know all these things. They can, they can um, demand. They whine, they can pout, talk back, they manipulate, they may call you names, and it's really upsetting and infuriating. So if your child is doing these things, one thing after the other to get you to do what they want, I mean, how do you respond? Like the child who goes to the store and is like, I want that and you're the only one who hasn't given it to but then they move on to the next way of getting it and the next way whining pouting demanding throwing a tantrum calling you names i mean it's 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 so frustrating so what do you do well i'm going to use a strange metaphor because i know that sometimes people remember strange things better <laughs> and uh you know and as cognitive psychology and so let's imagine a yugo and a Yugo was a car that was built in Eastern Europe, oh, in the 80s, and um, they never ran. No. <laughs> in fact, they had, they had heated rear windows, not to defrost it, but just to keep your hands warm when you were having to push it. Oh, God. Uh, okay. And so they were a very reliable car, by the way. They, they, they never moved. Yes, really good, reliable. you knew that this car would not go anywhere. Very so they were good very paper reliable. All right. <laughs> Now, there, you can be a Yugo, or you can be a slot machine. Now, slot machines are exciting, and, and people, they don't hang around with Yugos because it's not exciting, and Yugos never give them what they want. It doesn't matter how many times you whine at the Yugo or complain or say, oh, I should have bought a Toyota instead. It doesn't care. It just doesn't give in. <laughs> The slot machine, the problem is, is they trick you, right? They, they get, they act like they're, they're real, you know, like kind of conservative and rigid, you know, you pull the handle, nothing, 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 but, oh, it happens enough times, you know, oh, there's those three, three apples going across or whatever. And all this money comes out. And even though it took me like $9.6 million to earn this $30 jackpot, I'm going to go back to that thing because I know the next time, you know, next time I pull that handle, it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And see, a lot of parents are afraid to be Yugos. Mm -hmm. You know, Yugos are unpopular, uh, but they're consistent and you always know where they're going to be. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, and, and I really, as an older parent, I've come to the conclusion that uh, being a Yugo parent is really good. And, and what that means is that every time the kids argue and complain, the parents is, is empathetic, but they don't give in. Well, how come you won't give me this stuff? What do you think, honey? What did I say? Mm. Well, I'm just going to die and <laughs> get this. Oh, honey, what did I say? Oh, but you just always say that. You just heard it on that Dr. Silverman thing. <laughs> and honey, what did I say? Oh, well, I guess I'm just, you just never loved me. <laughs> oh, honey, and, and what did I say? You know, and it's just mm -hmm. deadpan. And the whole time you're saying this to yourself, you have to say this to yourself. This isn't personal. Mm. This isn't personal. Mm. This kid is doing exactly what she's supposed to do in order to become a really fantastic, solid young woman someday. Mm. See, I want her to do this with me now and learn that it doesn't work so that when she goes out in the world and finds this really fine young man, that's going to go well, mm. right? Mm. And, and it's a hard perspective to remember and sometimes we just sometimes we just snap i mean okay. sometimes it's like enough 
okay? Mm-hmm. Love and logic parents sometimes say, enough, mm-hmm. cut it out. You know, they, they, they get to the end of their rope. Sure. They don't make a habit of it. Mm-hmm. And from time to time, they go to their kids and say, wow, I really blew it. Yes. yes. Love you so much. Aren't you fortunate to have parents that are imperfect. Mm-hmm. Then you just kind of move on, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Now, the slot machine parents are the ones that think they're in control. They think they're in control because they say no a lot, right? Slot machines say no a lot. No, 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 no. That No, you're not going to get the money this time. No, you're not going to get this money. No, no, no. Okay, fine. Mm-hmm. And then the kids think, all I have to do is change up my routine a little bit or keep nagging or just sit here longer and the parents are going to give in. Mm -hmm. Okay, I get it. I get it. So if we apply this to some specific scenarios, because people love these, and so it makes it so much easier to apply, and, and we can sort of hear this work through the ages... Um, I'm thinking about, I'm so curious about how we do this with different ages. I was on a plane and this three-year-old absolutely would not sit still. And I don't even mean like moving around because of course they're going to move around, but she was climbing over the seats. She was bopping her brother on the head and yelling, you know, shrieking periodically, not out of anger, just, you know, for fun. And her mother was pleading for her to stop. Oh. And um, it's so hard on the plane. And finally resorted to giving her daughter a bag of mini Oreos that her daughter proceeded to both eat and then lick and stick to her mother's cheeks, chin, and forehead. Oh, my. Yeah. No, it was not a grand situation. This was before I had kids. So I was I was perplexed. I was pretty young while it was happening, but it's still etched in my head. So could we can we just go to that scenario? And how do you get that three year old to behave from the inside out in a in a scenario where, you know, you, you know, that that parent is at the end of her rope? Right, right. Well, first of all, I, I got to say, I feel bad for this lady because so we can all find ourselves in a spot like that. Yeah, but thanks. Uh, I, most of it starts at home before yes. they get to be three. And teaching our kids to listen uh, to us, uh, starting uh, very early when they're about uh, 10 to 12 months of age. And we don't expect perfection, but you set the little 10-month-old on the ground and they start crawling towards something they shouldn't have and say, oh, Oh, and you pick them up and put them in your lap and you hold them and they'll be a little frustrated. And as soon as they calm down, you put them back down on the floor. And if they crawl towards something else, uh oh, and you pick them up and see it's this format of when they start to make a poor decision or they're making a poor decision, you change their location. I mean, it's, it's kind of a physical thing at that age. Mm-hmm. Or you change the location of the problem object. So you have a, a two-year-old and they're, they keep, they keep uh, knocking the, the bottle off of the high chair. Yes. Okay, so they knock the bottle off of the high chair. One time, you're not sure if it's you know, an accident or not. They do it again and, and you're like, okay, no anger, no lectures, just, oh, so sad. Mm-hmm. Eating's over, and the kid goes down, and the food goes up. Mm-hmm. And then if they cry a little bit, you try to comfort them and love on them, but you don't lecture. And then uh, maybe, you know, just 15 minutes later, just long enough for them to, you know, have a little bit of a struggle with their tummy and being sad that they didn't eat, then... Well, you know, get them back up there and try again. And, and it's all those little cause and effect, cause and effect. Mm. The kid, I, I'm really big on parents taking their kids on practice outings, particularly before they take that fl- that flight to mm-hmm. uh, Kathmandu, okay? <laughs> and so it's, it's going to places like Chuck E. Cheese's and saying, honey, we get to stay as long as uh, you listen the first time. Mm-hmm. And uh, you take them off to Chuck E. Cheese's as soon as they act up and don't listen the first time, you get in the car and you go home regardless of what's happening and you don't say another word. So that they start to believe that, wow, even out in public, my parent would actually just turn around and leave Chuck E. Cheese's. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, 
and you always pick some place you don't like, like yeah. Chuck E. Cheese's, <laughs> so that you, you have no hesitation in the follow through, right? Mm -hmm. But right. there's lots of practice sessions where the kids start to realize that, wow, mom and dad, you know, when they say stuff, it happens. Okay, okay. Now, let's, let's be fair, though. You get on the plane, man. It's hard. It's tough. It's tough. So, you don't have anywhere to go. And that, you know, I, I know a pilot, a, a female pilot. She, she flies 737. She has tons of experience, and she has kids. And I was talking to her the other day, and I said, hey, uh, you, you know, you're the pilot. Captain, tell me what to do about ki little kids who misbehave on, on the airplane. And she said, well, what, what I used to do was I would go – and I would go to like thrift stores or secondhand stores and I'd get all these weird little toys that were little plastic toys mm -hmm. that were really, you know, really cheap. They were nothing special. And then I'd throw them in a big bucket of bleach for a day and then I'd rinse them out and I'd hide them from the kids so they didn't know that I had them. And then when we were on the plane on a long trip. I would, once in a while, when they started getting fussy, I would reach in this bag and I'd say, what's this? Mm -hmm. I feel something strange in here. And they'd be like, what is it, mom? And I'd pull it out and be some dumb toy. But because it was new, they thought it was right. cool for a while. And then as soon as they got fussy again, I'd reach in there and say, oh, I think there's something else in here. Mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. So I could string those kids out for quite a while using that little thing. So. Yes. Yes. I actually think there's some wisdom in that yes. one. Yes, no, that n new idea of having something new to distract them. Yeah. What if we look at an eight-year-old and now we've got to apply some of the same thing. He wants to use his iPad when it's time to leave for school. You don't mm. use screens before school. But he goes and he gets it and he takes it out and then resorts to running away and calling you an idiot. Um, you're yelling no, or you want to anyway, right. um, but this is not working. And now it's the child's eight. It's not a matter of just putting him on the floor. That's not going to work. So how do right. we help this child behave from the inside out? Well, I think that if it, he ought to enjoy that, that time with iPad, I think as a parent, I'm saying to myself, well, you know, uh, he's too big for me to carry and, I don't want to have an altercation with him right before school because then I'm not going to be my best at work either. And so I, I just think it would be wonderful if he enjoyed that iPad because it's probably going to be the last time he sees it in a very long time. And, and, and I might at the very most say to the kid, Oh, are you sure that's wise? Mm. Well, you're just an idiot. You can't <laughs> tell me what to do. Oh, that, yeah, I love you too much to fight with you about this. I'll take care of it. Listeners, you might want to write that one down. I love you too much to fight with you about this. I'll take care of it. And then you let the kid think that they got away with it. Mm. Because now is not the time. It, mm. It's just going to create a major altercation mm. and the kid's too big for you. It, it's okay if they 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 think they got away with it and... And then at some point in time, the kid puts it down, and, and that thing is um, is gone. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to suggest that it, it might be it, in my house. When I get called an idiot, it's immediate pawn shop destiny for a device uh, like that. Mm -hmm. Or immediate uh, on Craigslist, sold, gone, mm. uh, because because it is so damaging for kids to have that level of disrespect towards adults. Mm -hmm. Now, notice I, I didn't say it's damaging to the adult, which it, it, you know we can handle that. Mm -hmm. It's not. It's bad for the kid. Mm -hmm. Every time the kid treats us poorly like that, it really diminishes their self concept. It is not good for them, and so. Uh, that's when the the kids. Where's my iPad? Oh, yeah, that was becoming a real problem. Mm. I got called an idiot. That was really sad, and so I sold that. Mm -hmm. You did what? Now I'm probably going to get called an idiot mm -hmm. again. Yeah, that's entirely possible. Yeah, and and that's when I look at the kid and I say, "Son, I love you too much to allow these sorts of things to become or a, a problem." Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it's, it, it's just one of those really hard things of modern life. I'm hearing that story a lot. Mm -hmm. 
lot of kids get so they get addicted to video games yeah. they get addicted to screen time even good screen time and then they act like junkies when uh yes. somebody comes in and tries to remove the device so uh do yourself a favor have some strong limits over video games uh, devices actually only one limit i'll share this limit with the audience it's really maybe the only one you need it sounds like this i allow the use of this device the possession of this device in this home as long as i never feel like it's damaging our relationship mm -hmm. and, and that covers practically everything kid gets mm -hmm. sneaky that damages the relationship Mm -hmm. It's irritable, won't get off of the device, that damages the relationship. Kid won't put it in the basket next to my bed at night because mm -hmm. that's what we expect. That yeah. damages the relationship, and that means that that device needs to be gone. And if the kid says, well, I need it for school, then that's a added benefit because then you can say, well, gosh, how are you going to explain that to your teacher? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Maybe... Maybe your teacher might have some alternative course of study so that you can get those credits. Mm -hmm. mm. No, it's a really hard lesson to learn. Yes. And I, I so appreciate it that the boundaries are so clear. Um, and I think that's one that people have are dealing with all the time. Huge. I, I, I would could do this all day, so I'll, but I can only do one more because we're coming up to the top of the hour. Your 11-year-old loves to bake and cook, and, and it's terrific, but she never cleans up. Her father has yelled, reminded, sarcastically regarded the full sink and disastrous, disastrous kitchen as, I guess I'm the maid and this is my job. Still, it keeps happening. And now, how do we get that child to behave from the inside out? Mm, mm, okay. Now, let's let's be clear on a lot of these these issues. Behaving from the inside out often requires that as they're growing and developing, we're having to do some things to get them to behave from the outside in. That's mm -hmm. a gift. Okay. We are going to have to take some some. Uh, action here. And my thinking is to sit down with my daughter. Now, best if we're doing it in the car, best if we're doing it when everybody's in a really good mood. Mm -hmm. I want to start with how in the world, honey, have you learned how to cook the way you do? Because, mm. you know, that's a gift. And there's a lot of people out there who can, you know, they can follow the cookbook or they can be taught how to cook, but they don't cook like you. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think that, that that's really what I would consider a gift. Mm -hmm. And I would put a lot of emphasis on talking about that. And I'd say, now, what do you suppose, uh, you know, I'm, I'm getting at, honey. <laughs> Is there a part that, that maybe isn't so great about mm -hmm. all this? Well, you're always telling me to pick up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Man, I don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I really don't. Mm -hmm. Because if a kid is this gifted in cooking, they, I think they'd be probably just as gifted in cleaning. Mm -hmm. So what do you think What do you think we ought to do, honey, to, to solve this problem where you're not cleaning stuff up? Would you like ideas or do you have some? Mm-hmm. And so I want to start from a position of really celebrating who she is. Then I want to go into it as a problem-solving issue. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then if she has some ideas, like some kids get real snippy and they say, well, I just won't cook anymore. Yes, yes, sure. I could okay. see that. Or if the child is building all the time and you say, oh, yeah. you're such a good architect. And, well, I just won't ever play with those anymore. You know, yes. Well, that's, that's an option, honey. I guess that, that would be sad for you. Some kids decide that uh, they're going to just clean as they go. Mm -hmm. And other kids are just decide that they're going to allow their, their parents to pick up the stuff and pay for that out of their allowance or, or some other mm -hmm. uh, means. Mm -hmm. So it's just going to be fun to find out how you decide to solve this problem. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, notice inherently in there, there is that option of the parents doing it, but 
it's probably going to be uh, fairly costly for the kids. Right, right. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I, I, I know people have asked if, you know, we've talked about like that single child a bunch of times, but what if it's the, you know, two children that are screaming at each other and they love being together, but they're constantly fighting? What is it that you're supposed to do if it's two children at the same time? Um, is, the, is the logic any different? Most of the time it is about saying to them, guys, I love you guys, and I know you love each other. The problem is my ears right now don't love what you're doing. Right. And so you'll need to take it someplace else. And if you'd like somebody to do a little mediation, I'd be happy to do that. I don't take sides. Uh, I'd be happy to share some ideas about how to solve that problem. But really what you need to do is, is take it someplace else so it doesn't bother anybody in the home. And then if they don't do that, I'm a big fan of kids <clears throat> participating in bonding time. Excuse me. Bonding time is where kids do things together to improve their relationship and, and like pulling weeds together mm. and mowing yards and cleaning toilets <clears throat> is an incredibly <laughs> um, helpful bonding experience. And so some kids have actually learned how to pretend to like each other because of those, those activities. Mm. And, uh, I so, yeah, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to have them on. Mm, I like it. I like it. So give us your top tip. What would you like us all to come away with to help it to help ensure that our children are behaving from the inside out and we're parenting with love and logic? Well, I'd say the first thing is empathy, mm. getting really good at at remembering and and remembering this key concept. I'm not the one who has to teach the kid responsibility. It's their poor decision and the consequence that teaches the responsibility. Mm. I can be the good guy. Mm. Mm. And see, that takes so much pressure off our shoulders because we don't have to be yelling, we don't have to be nagging, we don't have to be lecturing, we just have to be allowing them to make those mistakes, holding them accountable, provide the empathy, you know, in the grand scheme of things, when you can handle things more or less that way, it all kind of comes out the wash mm -hmm. with maturity and time. Mm -hmm. It's important to keep that in mind. Give us the resource of the week. Where can we go to get more information about you and all the work you're doing? <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Well, loveandlogic.com and check out our subscription program where there's a lot of videos and audios that are that are like this one where I delve into specific topics. It's uh, it's a real affordable uh, deal too. Mm -hmm. It's a small payment each each month. I can't even remember what it is. It's so small, mm -hmm. but uh, mm -hmm. yeah, you get to send in questions. I answer those, and we have a whole lot of fun. Uh, connecting with each other. Oh, it's so good. I, I love so much of what you said today. And I felt like you were just a quote a second. Uh, it's just so many things that you are talking about that help to alleviate the pressure that parents consistently put themselves under. And also at the same time, really helping us to raise responsible, capable kids. So thank you so much for being on the show today. Oh, well, thank you. It was such a pleasure to talk about my passion. Well, thank you very much. Everybody, I've got my takeaways and sweet friends. I know you have yours. So let's discuss them. Come up on Facebook. We can go to the Dr. Robin Silverman page or let's chat about it at drrobinsilverman.com or twitter.com slash drrobin. I'm also on Instagram under Dr. Robin Silverman. And I will tell you, I'll put all the links uh, on the show notes and we can communicate with Charles as well because clearly we've got to keep in touch and get all of these questions going towards them and making sure that we get the answers that we need. And if you love this podcast like I did, I hope you'll go up to iTunes and rate and review it so other people can learn about all of Dr. Faye's great strategies and be able to use them in their own homes. I truly appreciate it. 
That's all the time we have for today, my fellow parents, leaders, and educators. Thank you so much for tuning in to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com. So many great podcasts are up there, and the show notes to this podcast will be up there as well. I look forward to weathering the storms and enjoying the sunny side of life together. And please remember, even on the days when you fall short, you've got this. You're here. You're getting the information you need. I know it's not easy, but never forget there's always tomorrow. Parenting is the ultimate do-over. You're probably thinking, oh my goodness, I did this wrong. I did that wrong. I, I was in that situation. I totally bombed it. This is okay. You can do it again. You can apologize and try again every day, a new day to try again. I see you and I'm right there with you. And as there are moments when we doubt our know-how, our choices, and our sweet sanity, please know you are 10 times the parent you think you are. Until next time, this is Dr. Robin Silverman with How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Please tune in again and keep connecting through conversation. See you next week. You've been listening to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com.